Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Jeff. This is Jeff Needs Sports, and this is our NFL Scouting Combine report. Um, I've got a couple guys on here. I got Mo from Up in Flames, and most importantly, from Draft NFL Draft Capital. So, like, this is this is kind of in his wheelhouse. I got I got, I got Dunks on here who is probably the most enthusiastic NFL combine watcher I've ever met. And that's exactly why he's on. We've had this show scheduled for a while. And then you've got me who I've been on podcation. I didn't watch the combine. I, I don't really know what's happened outside of some BS controversies. So I've got a couple of experts on here. I'm going to bounce some questions off of them and we're going to, uh, we're going to discuss it. You know, our thoughts and our, our just like overreactions to the NFL combine. So first of all, dunks, how are you doing tonight, man? Jeff, I'm living life, man. Uh, happy to be on your show, man. It's it's been a long time coming. You've been on mine a couple of times, uh, and it's always great chopping it up with you. And uh, you know, always uh, always love love for the Buckeyes, man. Buckeye Nation, guys, stick together. Of course. So, and your enthusiasm for the combine is why, like, I dreamt up the show, and then we were lucky enough that uh, Mo could join us tonight. Right. You know, with his with his draft expertise, and I'm just here to kind of drink beer and ask questions. So, Mo from Up in Flames, how are you doing tonight, my brother? Uh, you know, uh, I'm all good. You know, uh, like you said, I'm not enthusiastic about the combine. I will get into it. You know, <laughs> but like, you are. You're you're enthusiastic, yeah. but yeah, you know, I, I just have my thoughts on it. But you know. Uh, no, no better than to share the thoughts with you and Dunk. So I, I'm definitely prepared for a great show. Yeah, just just so anybody doesn't know, the ten minutes before these shows start are are some of the most heated, the fast paced, like fun, like conversations that we have at the entire at, at the Off the Ball Network, and it's 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 wonderful. It's we sometimes we got to reel ourselves in so we can save it for the show. So uh, yeah. you know, again, our outtakes are are awesome. So. Um, you know, we just had a combine as we're recording now. It was last week in Indianapolis as usual. First of all, shout out to Couch Coach Live, one of our partners, one of our brothers, one of our dearest friends. He went to the combine. He interviewed, you know, some of the prospects, had a great time, great achievement for him. He did a wonderful job. So just a shout out to Couch Coach Live for um, just just an awesome weekend for somebody that des- has earned and deserves every second of it, man. That was that was that was great to see. Yeah, definitely. For yeah. sure, yeah. <laughs> so this is the combine pod. Uh, we'll kind of get warmed up here. Um, you know, before we get to the questions, we're, we're going to get. I'll, I'll get since since we already kind of went down this road pregame. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and open the floodgates here. I'm going to get just the overall thoughts on like like what you feel about the combine. You know, dunks. You that's one of your favorite things, and you've got great reasons for that. Mo, you've got some you've got some reasons that you don't put as much weight in it. We're going to get down it. So first of all, dunks. Uh, you, you started to tell me like how you watch combine, why you watch combine, and and how you started getting into it. So just just tell us, just kind of tell us your story of watching the combine this year because I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I was at, I I uh, I do some work with uh, Carthage football. Um, and I was watching one of the guys that I do a lot of my recruiting work with, uh, Coach Dibble, a uh, great, great guy. Um, and we are just really going through watching it, looking at some guys. Uh, we have debates about which players are going to be better than others. Um, so I think I think it's obviously fun to watch the combine with someone else, especially someone that's like really interested in it as well. You kind of get to bounce ideas off each other, what eat what each other's thinking because it's a lot different, like some opinions that we have on one player or another. Like, for example, I'm really high on Sauce Gardner, and he's really high on Derek Stanley. So there's been a debate on who's going to be the better corner at the NFL level. Uh, so so that's been a lot of fun. But 
I, I've enjoyed watching the combine this year. I think this is really the first year that I actually watched like the whole thing. I watched guys, you know, compete. Um, obviously, I think the combine shouldn't just be like the end all be all of how we look at guys. I think you obviously got to take into account their film, their size, their weight, um, you know, their wingspan, th- things like that um, are important to look at as well. Um, but I think the combine is is a good measuring stick and a good way for guys to move up and down the draft boards. And uh, we'll we'll talk about some guys that uh, yes, we will. We're kind of rigged, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Mo, you know, you watch combine, obviously. You you know you you run a whole show on you know NFL draft prospects, so this has got to be part of your evaluation. But you know, to be fair, you expressed before the show, you know maybe maybe how you feel about the combine or don't feel about the combine. So let's get into that. Like, just kind of tell uh, tell everybody what you were telling me before the show, and we'll dig so, into it. <clears throat> the overall, like for me, why I'm not as yes, I watch the combine. Do I watch every second of it? No, I don't. Uh, but yes, I watched the combine. There's some prospects I'm interested to see what they do. But to me, the overall, why I don't like the combine, the combine is why GMs and scouts get drafting wrong. Like it's, I think it's plain and simple. Like the combine is the reason why you have a list. You have guys that are realistic. Yes, some could rise or fall to where, oh, we might have to change our draft strategy a little bit. But you know, as soon as the season ends, when that final 32 order, you already have been paying attention all year to college football. You know who you're looking at. You know who's realistically could could end up at your spot. You always have about eight or nine guys, including people with the number one pick. They have about, I say that list gets smaller. You have about five or six that you're like, okay, we'll consider, but you have your three. When you got number one pick, you can get anybody. So you got your three guys. Outside of that, you're not really paying attention to a lot of the other guys. You do have the number one pick. You're looking at the second and third rounders. But I think they think too much into it watching the combine. A guy who wasn't high on your, you know, position list wows you with the 40 and he jumps up three spots, even though everything has told you up to this point, he is not better than the three receivers that you had ahead of him. But up, he had an amazing 40 time. He's jumped up three spots. He's a riser. He's a faller. And then I'm also not big like receivers are running routes. I guess I'm more so if you fail, if you have a bad combine, that's an indictment on you as a player, because There's no pressure. I mean, there's pressure of being a prospect, but there's no defense coming at you if you're a quarterback. There's no corners really guarding you and putting real pressure on you if you're a wide receiver. You're not really having to guard wide receivers if you're a corner. So, like, if you have a bad combine and you can't have one of your better days physically and, and, you know, you're not stretched, you're not ready to go, then that's an indictment on you. But if you perform great, Cool, but I'm more I'm more of what does film tell me? And I know it's hard to evaluate because you're not going against, you know, NFL talent every Saturday. But these main prospects that are going that first, second and third round. A lot of those guys are going against those power five schools. So I think it's more so for the people outside of the, you know, the power five schools that you kind of get to see them catching balls from top notch prospects. You know, you get to see a sky more catching a pass from Kenny Pickett. Like you get to see things like that. So now you're like, okay, he was really good. What does he do with an adequate quarterback that we're looking at as a first round prospect? But I'm not huge into like, like you said, don't like, it's not the end all be all for me, but I'm even more so like the combine hasn't made me change my outlook on many players, to be honest. Like I, I feel how I feel about pretty much everybody, 
And a 40 time or a 42 inch vertical is not going to change that for me much, if if any at all. Yeah, I used to, and, and a lot of it was because I used to work more seasonal, so I was off in the winter. And I, I mean, I used to watch a combine. Like, I mean, I was one of those guys because it used to be on during the day. Now it's more of a prime time thing. But like, it's people like me that made it popular. Like, I was watching it during the day on like a Wednesday, and all I ever took away was it felt like who who it helped the most was say like, especially like a linebacker, maybe a, maybe a defensive lineman, guys like that that would come in and like, I don't know how athletic they are. And then those guys got a chance to be like, okay, with, with out, out of the constraints of like what I have to do out of the pads and everything, like you get to see that the difference between me and the next guy that you think is really athletic is not that far. And I think of a guy like, you know, we talked about Ohio state, but this guy just happens to be a good example. I think like a guy like Pete Werner, really did himself a lot of good last year to where when I think when he comes into the combine, you're like, ah, will he even be an NFL player? He's way more athletic than anybody thinks. And then he had a really decent rookie career in the, in the, uh, you know, first year that uh, I don't think he has, if he doesn't get a chance to, you know, show some explosion and sh show some of that I think it, like, like most, I think it helps the guys that, that need help more than the top guys. Um, before we get into the questions, there is like this topic comes up this week. Uh, this was the big one. Uh, Thibodeau, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. Uh, felt like there was a lot of like conversation about, I don't know exactly what happened. You guys will help me out here, but it sounds like he basically, did he just kind of like not do the drills and stuff? Is is this what I'm hearing? Yeah, he said sat out. Yeah. So what, like th this obviously is a guy that's on both high on your draft prospects list. There's no doubt about it. What, what does like, I'll, I'll start with you dunks. Like, what do you think? About, this is just a great example. What do you think about Thibodeau going into the combine and coming out of the combine? Or or is it did, did it not matter? Because that seemed to be one that everybody was buzzing about. Yeah, I think I think the same way about Thibodeau as I did but before the combine. I think he's a top five player without a doubt in this class. Um, I think he'll probably go either two, two or three, possibly even number one. Um with Jacksonville franchise tagging Cam Robinson, I think you might see one of those D linemen come off the board right away. But I, I mean, Thibodeau, he's an athletic freak. Um, I mean, you turn on the tape, he stands out. Um, you know, he he's a big time player. And I mean, here's the thing: combine drills. I mean, if you sit out, okay. I mean, if you're you're a top yeah. five pick. So like, you're you're not putting a bunch of weight on like you you don't put a lot of stuff. Like here's what I keep hearing. Does he want to play football? How how hard does yeah. he want to work? Like that that's always going to be the narrative. Anytime a guy sits out on these things is like, does he love football? Blah blah, you know, and all that. As to where like, I'm like, no, this guy realizes it doesn't matter. Like that that's well, he can sit out if he wants to. One, two, I, I think more more so the combine, I think the more important part for these higher of the tier prospects, the Hutchinsons, the Neils, the Thibodeaux, these guys, the interview process the is interview. very key, you know, because yeah. you, you got to talk to these teams. You got to kind of sell them uh, on what kind of person you are, what kind of player you are. I think that's the most important thing for, for these top guys now, those guys that are kind of low, later in the first round, second round, third round, so on and so forth. It's more important for those guys, but I, I don't think it really hurts Thibodeau at all. I think obviously there's some people that are going to think it does because in every 
thing in life nowadays. It seems like some yeah, it's people are on one side, well, some and people are on the other. The combine has always been about this is when the GMs can start bad mouthing players to try yeah. and get them to drop down to their team. Like it, there's yeah. a lot of games player. So Mo, I'll ask you the same question. What do you think about Thibodeau going in and Thibodeau coming out? So I won't when I say this, Jeff, you'll understand more than anything. So who what player on defense last year did people overthink it and tell us about his character issues and bring up past things and turned out to be the best defensive player in the draft? Well, best defensive player in the draft was definitely Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, right. And, and he sat out his whole he sat out a whole football season. And they questioned because of COVID, it was excused, but they questioned, did he really love football? Then his character issues right. he got in that he got in that little bit of trouble. I think his freshman year. Uh, Penn State with the whole hazing thing or whatever. But everything told you and told a lot of people. I mean, I you we, we talked about last year, but everything told you that this is probably the best defensive player in the draft. And if well, you're, I didn't even blink, I didn't even blink. If you're the best defensive player in the draft, you're probably top five. Like, take the character issues. I, I know that's a cause for concern. With me, with Thibodeau, it's like if dude didn't really love football, I don't think he would enter the draft. Like I, I just even if you love money, sometimes I don't love football, but I love the money it could bring, the fame it could bring. But you can get Hall of Famers out of that. And I, I, I guarantee you, if it's not a Hall of Famer, you can still get a really star football player who will tell you like when it's all they're not going to tell you during their career. When it's all said and done, some of them, but I could have been even greater. But I love the money. I love yeah. the lifestyle it gave me. And so it kept me intact and working hard. But. I didn't care about being the greatest. Like there's yeah. people out there like that. And it's like, well, you don't want a guy like that. Yeah. But like, if you're not in the conversation of being the greatest, if you're not Lawrence Taylor, you still could be, you know, like you still could be Simeon yeah. Rice, who was an impactful defensive end. Like if you're not the greatest. Oh, great comparison. Shout out to Simeon Rice. Yeah. Like you could be like, okay, the go, greatest man. defensive end coming in. But like I get Simeon Rice, a guy who's going to, be really good, not great, but really good players have really long careers and get paid a really good amount of money. So I don't look at him any different. Uh, he's a top five talent. You know, like you said, I think he skipped it in like, for what? Like, yeah. what is this going to do for me? If you're not looking, I think some people don't think about what if Thibodeau doesn't want to play for a bad team, but with social media and stuff, everybody says go the Eli Manning route if you don't want to go to a certain team. You can't do that in 2022. It can't no. happen. So what no. if Thibodeau's like, you know what? Let let my name fall. The farther I fall, the better team I play for. And he don't want to go for a terrible team and just be a really good defensive yeah. end on a bad team. Like that could be a thought process, but you can't come out and announce and be like, I'm not playing for the New York Giants. You cannot do that in 2022. They they will That's send death threats to your to your DMs. They will do it. Fans do it. This is a total different era where you can't speak that I don't want to play for this team. Well, Which, and and if you're not a, if you're not a white quarterback named Manning, it's real hard to do. I'm just I'm just yeah, saying like, like you, that's a certain really situation. Do, yeah, you really can't do that, especially in today's time. So who's to imagine? Say, imagine Stingley people? says. Imagine Stingley says I'm not going to who drafts him. Like the they, they would just burn down the NFL. Like they would just burn it down. And, and another thing, too, is everybody gets carried away with these guys and their contracts. They're like, oh, he's losing money. He's losing money. That money's not made in that rookie contract. I'm not saying it's not you don't lose money on draft. It's that next one. It's it's two years or three years later when you renegotiate. You can go to any player, go to any team in the NFL. Yeah, he may lose a few million that first few years. It's that next contract to where he's like, okay, now it's time to get paid. So, like, 
they get they get everybody gets too excited like wherever you get drafted that's that's going to be your salary for the rest of your life and i don't understand why people think that because that is not true at all especially like with quarterbacks and stuff like if you're a quarterback just get on a roster like get on a roster and start that next contract is you know defensive ends like all these guys most most good players don't sign their second contract with their next team like it's it's very common like i shouldn't say most but a lot like they all a lot of them move around and move on and you can't afford to keep them and and all of these things like it's Except that's how the nfl backs it's, like it's almost like the nfl can't afford to keep guys that get really good that they draft it's the weirdest thing because they just get so expensive that you know so i think Thibodeau's like now nah, you know I'll, I'll have a fine contract my next contract's going to be you know ginormous um so uh, that's another guy. I'm glad you guys brought up Stingley. I like that guy. I have no idea what he did in the combine. I know he kind of uh, basically he stopped playing like what halfway through the year. Did he, I think there might have been an injury slash just didn't finish or whatever. So did, what did he did he perform in the combine or did he sit out? He sat out. He sat out too. Okay. And, and let's all remember too, a great example. Deion Sanders also sat out of the combine like nobody remembers. He ran the 40. That's it. So everybody acts like this is something new. Like, no, guys have always done this, you know, forever. So didn't he run the yeah. 40? Didn't he show up with his chains on, run the 40 and left? It's a bit of an urban legend because no nobody, there's no footage of what he did. He swears that he walked in, ran the 40, and kept running out of the building. Nobody can verify, but he did run the 40 and it was fast and he was out. Um, so like guys have been doing this for 30 years. This is this is this is nothing new. So uh, that was just one guy I heard about this week that there was a lot of buzz about. Uh, I think we'll get into the Alave BS here in a little bit when I get uh, wound up. Uh, so we'll start with the questions I actually gave you. We kind of touched on uh, some of it, but uh, so just your favorite test to watch. It doesn't matter whether it matters or whatever. Just like when you're just like as a viewer, what's your favorite test to watch, Dunks? Uh, I think it's got to be like the drills that guys do, like individual, individual drills. Yeah. Um, like for me, the, the one that really stood out was, uh, the wide receivers, how, how you got to catch the ball, keep running that the gauntlet has to be there. Um, with the DBs, it's all about footwork, footwork, and more footwork. Yes. Um, you know, can't, can't slip, can't trip. I uh, got to be able to flip and open the hips and, uh, and backpedal and stuff like that. So that's probably my most fun thing to watch. And I think that's also the most important thing that I'll probably take from the combine. So that's, there's a little yeah. connection there, but I think, yeah, it's, it's gotta be the drills. You know, I like seeing guys play football, you know, that's, that's my big thing. So um, my favorite, my favorite, cause I used to sit with my son and we would watch the DB drills and my favorite is just to watch the DBs go through their footwork. And it's like, it, it's, I remember the one that stands out in my mind was watching uh, Dominic Rogers, Cromartie, go through his combine one of the greatest combines i ever saw and as he's doing his footwork that's the one guy ever i mean he was coming i believe i want to say mississippi nah, not mississippi state mississippi valley uh or tennis uh it wasn't a division you know a, a major school i can't quite remember now but uh cromarty comes out and i remember watching his footwork and being like i draft that guy tomorrow and of course he had a great career you know in the nfl and everything but his it was just it was perfect like his footwork was perfection um i i, I agree with that i'm a i'm a footwork guy too mo what's your favorite thing to, to to watch just just as a viewer when you're watching the combine so you know how much i love skill positions you know i love my receivers my corners well, yeah. of my quarterbacks i like the big boys getting after okay. it okay i like the big boys doing the shuttle drills 
I like watching the D linemen and the D ends do the shuttle drills. And I like the bench press. I do because I, I like being amazed at really how strong these human beings <laughs> really are. Like, it doesn't hold when I watch a guy bench press like a guy like Jordan Davis. It's not going to hold a bunch of weight that he can do it 40 times. Like, I, I don't think he, his stock rises for that. And I go back. The most impressed bench I've ever seen was actually it wasn't during the combine, but it was the same when they had the strongest man competition during the the, the Pro Bowl. And Larry Allen. Was oh, Larry like, Allen was. A- you remember? But like stuff like that is absolutely impressive to me. Like the fact that a big boy and, you know, they were more out of shape looking. Back yeah. then, offensive linemen, D-linemen, they had more gut hanging out their jerseys a little bit. They weren't like a solid 320 or whatever. But just seeing that, and I, I just like seeing the big boys get after it. Like, how can you not enjoy the fact that we are in a time of life where guys are six foot six, 350 pounds, doing the shuttle dr- at speeds that you never thought somebody yeah. that big should ever be able to move. So especially now with the bigger they get, the more athletic they get at this point, I just like, I like seeing the big boys get after it. They don't get enough love in the combine because there's not really enough drills for them to really show out. So I like watching them do the shuttle drill and I like the bench press too. Let, let, let's compound it. I want to talk about Jordan Davis a little bit because I loved him all season. I loved him last year. This is a guy that like, I, I don't think he had to even go to the combine, but then he goes to the combine and he's just, He's just blowing people's minds with what he can do. And that's a guy that, to me, it translated what he did on the field and it translated to to the combine. So, Dunks, I know you watch. Like, let's talk about this Jordan Davis workout and, like, how where, – where's he at in the draft right now, maybe? Yeah, man, I think – I have him mocked, I believe, to Minnesota at 12 um, or 13. Uh, I think he could go higher than that, though. Um, from what I've been hearing around the around like you know league sources stuff like that, um, a lot of people were impressed with him um, at the combine. And I mean, obviously, uh, he can eat up blocks, um, which oh. which is huge. And, and he can chase that. He's that guy. He's that defensive. He's the perfect defensive lineman. But yeah. he's, he's the guy that can also like if he gets through the line, he can chase down a running back or a quarterback from behind, and that is ginormous because what what have we seen in the modern football now it's like how much can you do without bringing linebackers like how much how much can you get your linebackers into coverage he is a guy that you know that's they can do everything down there and he keeps he keeps uh you know he keeps you in a base defense and that is huge in the nfl mo what do you think what do you think about jordan davis before and and now um i thought before he was uh probably a 15 to 20 guy like I, I really saw him in that range so I think he improved his stock a little bit uh with the combine I think part of it too is like I think we all thought that he was going to be a little bit slower than what he performed in the 40 time and I'm not saying that's like the end-all be-all because obviously you run the 40 without pads on without a helmet on and you know you guys both know like pads helmets that's a lot of weight right there um added on so you, you can't take too much from it, but I think just overall, I mean, Jordan Davis being from Georgia, going up against the best of the best every week, you know, being in the SEC, going up against really good offensive line, you know. You talk about Alabama, you talk about LSU, um, Arkansas, their offensive line well improved. So, I mean, the, 
they're going up against against good competition, and Jordan Davis showed out and uh, all year and and in the combine too. So I think he improved his draft style for sure. It'll be interesting to me where he really goes because I could see him maybe slip into the top ten, but I could also see him being in that ten to like twenty range. So it, it it's going to depend on the type of defense and all that. I understand. Yeah. I, I think I, to me, I think he's just the. Not he's one of the safest picks in the draft. Mo Murphy, yeah. where you got Jordan? What, what do you think about Jordan Davis before and after the combine? Don't overthink it. Like you seen, like he was dominant on tape. He's gonna plug up that you know he's gonna plug up the interior, and then he's more athletic than we gave him credit for or we thought. Simple. It's like don't overthink it. Is he a top ten pick? I don't know. We're also in a pass heavy league. There's some very talented wide receivers, and it's you know like you said, it's all about team needs. But he is a safe pick. Like, it's one of those, like, if he gets to falling in 14, 15, I might, if there's not the guy I really loved, I might stop thinking and do what Dallas did a couple years ago when, all right, we need some things, but C.D. Lamb fell into our lap. Let's not overthink it. Let's get C.D. Lamb. Like, I think he turns into that. Like, okay, he didn't fell into our lap. We didn't think he would be here or our favorite guy is gone. Let's just get the safe pick. Don't overthink it. This dude is, like you said, and he could chase down quarterbacks. He could chase down running backs, especially in that backfield, because I don't care if a guy as a running back is running a 4-3. When he first receives that ball out the backfield, he is not bursting at 4-3 out of the backfield. He got to get going. So he can chase them down before they really get going. So for me with Jordan Davis, it's like, dependent. if he starts to fall, like I'd, I'd be telling him, like, stop overthinking it. Stop overthinking it. Like, yeah. Don't get a guy when you got a guy who could be a day one impact starter. Don't and then if you keep seeing him fall and he gets to that twenty, like too many GMs overthought it, and then he's going to be considered a steal. And then when he's a steal, you look at it. That means one of those players are going to be a bust, and it's like stop overthinking it. Like that's and, that's what happens is just stop overthinking it. That's what happens when I watch the draft. Like don't overthink it. Don't over, you overthought and defense, it? And, and defensive linemen can make an impact day one. That's what I like about drafting defensive linemen. Yep. It's a good value. Like they're they they make an impact day one. Like they're a starter and, and just let them let them eat. I mean, Jeff, from our our favorite school alone, Nick Bosa, Joey yeah, Bosa. Impact, immediate impact. Young. I mean, all those guys right there, immediate impact, rookie of the year, all yeah. that. So, oh, I'm, You don't have to tell me. I'm a huge fan of and, drafting linemen. And, and, and it's like, it is like for me, like there were people coming at me because I said like I would draft Chase Young like, uh, like number one, number two, whatever. And uh, I think he got drafted two or three. And I'm like, don't overthink it. Like it, it's he he's yeah. that dude. He's that he's that guy. I mean, yeah. and that's really how I feel about Jordan Day. Is like he's that dude. He's that guy. And like you know, he's a safe pick. I mean, if you pick him, he he ain't gonna be a bust. You know, he he just ain't. Like he's got too much potential, too much good tape, good film, good combine that. Don't overthink it, like most saying, and that often happens during the draft. I think a lot of teams did that with JOK last year in the draft. Teams oh, over for sure they did it a lot. They did it with Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons should have been yeah. number one pick in the draft, in my opinion. I said that from day one. Like Up it's, there. it's yeah, Gary, Mo, Gary, Mo was obviously pick. happy that he fell. You know, to his uh, to his he wasn't goal. happy at the time. We one. could go back and watch the tape. I wasn't happy day one. I really wasn't. Ooh. I had to talk him into it. I had to talk you into it. So, uh, 
That's how I feel too. I think George and, and I understand like it's it's complicated. And I think a lot another thing too is with having what Aaron Donald just did to the Super Bowl. You get a lot of that like try to catch lightning in a bottle again. So that's going to sway people to like let's get a let, let's let's try and let's try and do this again. That you know the copycat thing always always takes form. So we already kind of talked about how much does the combine matter to you guys. I think we've established you know where we're at with that. Mm-hmm. So like I want to talk about like what. Like whatever you can, you can pick your favorite position, whatever position you like the most. What uh, what's something you watch the closest to? You're like, you know, I, I like this guy, and I want to see him do this. And as soon as he does it, like it's a pa- is a pass or fail. Like what's what what do you watch the what you what's one thing you watch the closest dunks to like evaluate uh, a prospect that maybe maybe you're trying to figure out you know, where he's going to be. Like we talked about Jordan Davis. He runs a 40. You're like, okay, you know, maybe he moves up a spot, something like that. Yeah. I think for me, it was really the DBs. Cause I, I thought a lot of the DBs are kind of like closely rated. Obviously sauce and Stanley are kind of those two clear cut number, number one, number two guys. And then there's a lot of guys like mixed in there between like three and seven guys that I really like, think that could be first or second round guys that could be impactful right away. So the one thing that I really look at with defensive backs is control. Body control is very important. Um, and that's why I actually when, – when I watch Sauce Gardner do some of these DB drills, I'm like, this this guy has the stuff that can translate to the league right away. And that's why, you know, I was kind of upset that I didn't get to watch Stingley do that because, you know, he, he didn't play a lot of football last year. He didn't do those drills like – I, I know he's really good. Like I, I've seen the video did, of him. And Jamar did Stingley? Chase. Did Stingley play the year before? Yes. Okay, he did play. I, I don't know yeah. why I was thinking he was out the year before. Okay. No. Yeah, he kind of sucked. Yeah, he was. He was with the, the yeah. bad, bad LSU team. Yeah. 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 So I don't. I don't really. I don't know. know. Are we allowed to call SEC teams bad, or we just say a, a less than bad. great? Are we supposed to say a less than great SEC? They team? were bad. Okay, they were bad. They, they were bad. bad. Hey, hey, Jeff, we can because you know we'll we'll save that debate for another day. But <laughs> big time, they they're right up there. But that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, but no, Sauce Gardner was a guy that really impressed me. Another thing I look at to quarterbacks is like release, how you throw the ball, your po- pocket movement is a big thing. Um, a guy that I, you know, that I that I've talked about a lot with with uh, with my buddy in in the recruiting department, Coach Dibble, is uh, Malik Willis. Like we've we've been high on him, and I like what I saw at the combine. Just the release, you know. A lot of teams are really high on him. Also, another thing too, Jeff, is like watch the Senior Bowl and the combine. See how these guys do. If you put two, you know, if you put both together. You can learn a lot from what these guys are doing. So my two big things are quarterbacks and DBs. I think you know they have the most to gain because obviously those are two very important, very important positions on the football field nowadays, especially in this passing age of the NFL. Oh, absolutely, Mo. What, what do you watch closest when you're trying to when you're trying to figure out a prospect? So if I'm watching a quarterback, I watch you throw one route, and if you can't throw that route, I will turn you off. Like you, you no longer have value. I will watch the quarterback throw the 10 yard out from the opposite hash. That's because you're throwing across the field. You're basically throwing 40 yards. Exactly. But that's such, that's the most 
common route and you're not always yep. going to be in the middle of the field. We know if if there's an end around, you're on that hash. And so you can't tell me that if I have you at quarterback, that my receiver on the far end that I have running a 10 yard out route is obsolete for you as an option uh, because you can't throw. Like now I took away a whole side of the field without even playing defense by having a guy that can't make that throw. That route to me, being able to, th if you can't throw that, you can't really be a quarterback in the NFL. I don't care. You can't always roll out. These defensive ends are running four fours, four fives, some yeah. of them are high four threes. Like we saw the guy from Penn State last year uh, that went to Buffalo running a four three. Like, so you, depending on you being able to roll out to make those long throws, you don't have the time that you used to have. So I want to see you five, three to five step drop. I want to watch your release and I want to watch how quick that ball gets from the opposite hash to that 10 yard out route. And I want to see how accurate it gets there. That's a what arguably one of outside of what the slant route. It's probably that in a curl. I want to see how you do on the opposite hash throwing curl routes and out routes because you're really like you said, you're throwing 30, 40 yards, but you have to get it there in two seconds. Like you have two seconds from the snap to the release of for you to release a pass and get it on the opposite side of the field. If you can't throw those routes from the opposite hash, why am I? You're, it doesn't matter. Like, I'll turn your tape off. I don't care that you could drop back, get on one foot, and throw it 60 yards. You and probably 85% of the quarterbacks in the NFL could do that with no pressure. Let's just be yeah. everybody has, I won't say everybody, but most people have strong arms. So I don't really care that off your back foot, like that Zach Wilson throw from last year didn't impress me. Like, all right, that's cool, bro. Like, it looks cool. It's social media can go crazy over it. But you, Justin Fields, could have made that throw, Trevor Lawrence, like, they all could have made that throw had they didn't. You saw that how much weight it held. Justin Fields started doing that after throwing after Zach Wilson because he saw how much those passes impressed people. But I want to see how can you throw the basic 10-yard curl and 10-yard out route from the opposite hash because that talks about your arm strength, your accuracy, and the zip on the yeah. ball. Because there's some people who can throw it far. They got the arm strength to throw it far, but they don't have that zip throwing the short routes, and that's what really matters. I can't look at you as a starting quarterback in the NFL if – depending on what hash we're on, you take away an option when running yeah. a play. Like if that's not an option, they're obsolete. That, that, that takes away the whole purpose of running a whole play. Yeah. And we talk about a guy like Josh Allen. That's we're talking about a guy that can make every throw. He, 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 his field is bigger than, than most quarterbacks. And I, it's, I'm kind of the same way. Like my, my route that when I, when I watch quarterbacks, it's at, no, this is more during the game because obviously in drills, but it's like, kind of the same situation it's that like 20 25 yard dig route over the middle that you have to throw like in front of the safety behind the linebacker matt stafford basically what matt stafford threw to win the uh what nfc championship game i believe and uh you know it's that it's that one throw that you gotta the, it, you're exactly right though you gotta be able to make that throw or to me you can't win me a super bowl and Here's what's funny. I know Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. I can't explain it. Like you can bring that up the rest of my life. And I'm like, yep, you're right. I have no idea. Like there, there, there are some, uh, there's some outliers out there, but I, I think I kind of agree with that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with dunks. I like, uh, I like watching the defensive backs, you know, footwork to see if it translates into like football speed, uh, wide receivers, you know, the gauntlet drill, like, your hand placement and are you, are you catching the ball in the right position, which most of them do like these guys are so upper level nowadays, uh, quarterbacks. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Uh, so this, this takes me into my next question. Cause I love this question. So what position needs the combine the least 
Like who, what, what's the position to where you're like, I don't even know if I care if any of them show up dunks. I'll let you go first. Cause I got an answer. You guys aren't going to be surprised. Oh, this is, this is such a tough question. Well, I'm really um, smart dunks. I do that a lot. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to say running backs. <laughs> of course it's running backs. Um, and, and, and here's why I didn't even set you guys up. I swear. I did not know what your answers would be, but um, I was thinking running backs. I Here's the thing is looking like, at a running back doing a combine. It means anything. Cause without contact, what's it, what's it mean? Right. And, and I mean, here's the thing is like, can you block that's against, against competition? Can <laughs> you run cool. through tackles against competition? Yeah. Um, can you catch? Obviously yeah. you can catch the ball without, you know, anyone around. Um, and then like, how, how well do you run in, in space in between the tackles? Again, yeah. you need people well, out there. Well, so, what's your patience? What's your explosion yeah. through the hole? Yeah. Like you can't I, I mean, mimic like, what a running back has to do. Just like, like almost like a, a little bit like a linebacker. You just can't mimic what they have to do on a, on a football field without players. And again, too, it's like running backs, like a lot of them, you know, start off kind of slow and then rely on that breakaway speed. Like if you do a 40-yard dash, you can't really rely on your Yeah, what are you going to have a dude speed. like take three steps and then yeah, go? Right. Like that's that's the thing. So – I think that's probably the position I would say, but Jeff, that's a, that's a really tough question. Like that's a great question on your part. So Mo, who, who needs the combine the least running backs? I mean, it's for every it's running backs It's for everything dunk said, probably for everything you're going to say, but like, be, because it running back, it just doesn't, none of it translates. Yeah, because everything running backs have to read defensive linemen. You're not going to show me that you can do that. Yes. And like, and it's cool if you run a four three, like that's great. But some of the most dominant running backs in the league didn't run a four three. They were four four, four five. Like, and they get faster, they get progressively well, better. And running backs have to carry so much extra weight because of getting the shit beat out of them for they don't, six they months. Go through they, the hole and get hit. Like, so yeah. there's so many factors that like I see this on film so it's like if you're an athletic freak you you but how many athletic freaks do we even see at running back like how many running backs have we actually talked about you know in, during this draft process how many running backs are projected <laughs> to go first round let's just wait so running backs are stars how many top 10 running backs that got drafted in the nfl right now are, are the stars of, are, are the stars of the league chubb second round Derek henry second round jonathan taylor second round like Aaron it's Jones. Aaron fourth Jones, four, yeah, fourth round. Zeke already broke down, got you know, got drafted in the first round. Saquon Barkley's not even going to get a second contract by his first team because I'll, he's been I'll injured. Later, exact all the guys, like all our guys, even McCaffrey went first round, and then even you're seeing him break it down. So it's like he hasn't both, played in two years. We're not even talking about these guys. Like nobody has cared yet about what your running back rank is. Like we can talk about him and bring out your running back rankings and show me. Kenneth Walker was a borderline Heisman candidate and is not going to go in the first round. Let's let's talk about this. Who's, who's was the, he did at the combine to change that? Like no, who, right right now, Mo. Who's two questions? Who's the who's the best running back in the draft, and will he go in the first round? I don't even know who it is right now. I would. So putting I, bias aside and taking consensus is Kenneth Walker. Like 
Who you think I, he's better? I, do you think he's better than Brees Hall? Is there, is Brees Hall second? I don't even know anymore. Brees Hall is my guy. Like that's I love Brees Hall. Like at running back one, but the consensus is it's Kenneth Walker. I think Brees Hall will have the better career. Well, Mo, I'm asking you. I'm asking no. No, I'm taking. I think Brees, Brees Hall, Hall is the best running back. I like everything I've seen him do at Iowa State. And let's not act like Kenneth Walker has been a star his whole career. Brees Hall resume speaks for itself. What he's done was consistent every year his college career. Kenneth Walker was, I don't like breakout stars at running back. I barely like breakout stars <laughs> at quarterback, to be honest. I, I like that take. But I definitely don't like a breakout star who had one great year at running back. And then here's here's where I evaluate guys. And couldn't and wait and couldn't get a yard against the worst defense in the Big Ten. And, and so listen, so that's something there were what I, I want to say four running backs that I saw that when they went up against Ohio State's defense, they, Melvin Gordon, Monty Ball, Saquon Barkley, and now Kenneth Walker. When all of the, except Kenneth Walker, those were probably the best defenses they would face, you know, before going into the NFL. They did absolutely nothing. Kenneth Walker went against a defense who was not great at stopping, wasn't great at stopping anything. And he could absolutely do nothing. He got pulled. Yeah. I get your defense did nothing, so you didn't want to keep him out there. But he had no productivity prior yeah. to that. And this was a defense where it looked like they turned it around against our, the consensus top running back in the draft. So I look at that. How do you play against the best defenses that you play against? And then you see, like, this is why I wouldn't take Saquon Barkley top five. Look what he did against Ohio State. And then, like, he had a great rookie year. And then what has he done since then? And it's not about... Ohio State, but these are Big Ten running backs that were first-round picks, projected first-round picks, Melvin Gordon, yeah. Monty Ball, all those guys. Even Jonathan Taylor. I was hesitant on Jonathan Taylor, and he's turned out to be great. You you can yeah. be wrong, but the three, the four other rights that I am, I was hesitant. Well, on he's, turned out, he's, turned, he's turned out, he's turned, he's turned out, he's turned out to have a really good season and not make the playoffs. Like, let's not get, I'm just saying, like, we got to be honest. Like, yeah. running backs don't really, like, and I know, like, did it matter? Did it matter? Matters, <laughs> but the who your running back is essentially probably doesn't matter. And th that has been the least talked about group in the since the combine started. Nobody has really talked about it. it we, this is actually the first time I think what dunks six guys, six running backs ran under a four four yeah. six. Damn, six guys. Yeah, it's never been done before where six running backs ran under a four four. And guess what? Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's stock rose because they were running under a 4-4 at running back because nobody cares. They know what the running back's going to do. Kenneth Walker is probably the consensus. He'll probably be the first running back taken, and he's he's going to go in the second round. If he slips, maybe late first round, but I don't even see this being a Najee Harris, Travis Etienne situation. I think he's going second round. So that I, is true because I really, I really did like Travis Etienne last year. I thought, I thought he, I think. I hope still that he's a good running back. So he seemed like to do it all, like because he could yeah. catch. You could put yeah. him at slot receiver. Like yeah. he, this guy, he had lined up a slot receiver at Clemson. So you saw that he was like, I won't say Debo Samuel, but he was like, okay, we could plug and play him everywhere. Like how Debo well, Samuel was, has, like him the running back. I just don't I, think he'll be Debo Samuel. I got a fun question for Dunks. Then has has Debo Samuel devalued the running back? draft not position mm -hmm. but like who you draft like after watching what court uh, you know what cordell pat or cordell patterson too like of those two guys because they love jeff have they finally woke people up and everybody's like well maybe we need to start looking at like how we draft running back has that hurt the running back uh draft class this coming year do you think yeah i think i think that's definitely part of it i think one of the things too is like like mo kind of talked about like 
Brees Hall and, and Kenneth Walker. Like Walker had one great season, and Brees Hall was expected to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. Didn't really have the the best year in terms of what we were kind of projecting. Iowa State, that team as a whole, really didn't either. So I think yeah. that is part of it. And also, yeah, I mean, you, I think the running back position is going to turn into athletes. You know what I mean? And And you're starting to see this. kind of in the NFL. I mean, you look at Aaron Jones, like uh, the Packers had him out at wide receiver, running back, all all kinds of things kind of mixing and matching. And, I mean, you've seen guys for stretches when their backs go down that wide receivers are going back there playing halfback, you know. So I I think that's definitely part of it. Um, But, but again, I mean, Debo Samuels, I mean, this dude is different. Debo Samuel, Cordell Patterson had – Cordell Patterson. They changed were, everything. They were they, realized they're running back slash yeah. receiver. They right. basically top ten running backs when the season ended. Like this is a real thing that happened. I watched it happen. Like it's amazing. You know, Debo Samuel was one of the best running backs in the playoffs at at, yeah. at wide receiver. Like, like and I saw it happen. And then you look at how you know uh, Cam Akers came back off an injury and how he was productive. And there were four different running backs playing running back for the Rams. Mm-hmm. And then you look at. You look at the top pick, so you're going to look at McCaffrey. Their run game wasn't that bad with Chuba Hubbard. Then you look at Zeke. Like, Tony Pollard, numbers-wise, on based on his touches, was a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott. The, yeah. the Giants' rushing offense was better when Devontae Booker was back there and healthy than they were when Saquon Barkley came back healthy. Nick yeah. Chubb missed the game, and Ernest Johnson made a name for himself, and Nick Chubb missed the game. Like Shout out to Ernest Johnson. Ernest Johnson made a name for himself, had a 100-yard yeah. game in the, the running offense. Maybe you could say, okay, well, Ernest Johnson had 120 yards. Maybe Nick Chubb has 160. Okay, but if I get 120 yards from my running back, I got all the production I needed. So right. the, even the, you look at the top running backs when they miss time, even Derrick Henry, like, the Titans offense wasn't, they still were, you know, they were what they were at the end of the day. Like it wasn't, it wasn't until their whole offense got injured that they took a step back. But even without Derrick Henry running back by committee got the job done. So I think that, and then seeing on top, the icing on the cake was Debo Samuel, Cordell Patterson, who mm. basically revitalized his career being an athlete, playing wide receiver and playing running back. And then you see Chuba Hubbard, a fourth round pick, stepping in for Christian McCaffrey and their numbers are close to the same Based on touches. Now, granted, you're not yeah. giving Chuba Hubbard the ball 40 times a game because you're not giving him every screen pass and everything else to save your quarterback. But, like, he was running the ball just as effective as Chris McCaffrey. Yeah. might not look as good. He might not have the name. The Panthers weren't winning games, so you don't really care. They weren't really winning games with Chris McCaffrey either. So, it's when you look at the top-tier running backs and you look at when they miss time, the production of the running backs behind them is just, just as much or it's been enough. I don't need more from them to win a game. And so like, I just think the value of a running back, especially in the draft is going down and essentially like the value of playing running back is going to be, kids think, up wanting to be a LaDainian Thomason because LaDainian Thomason in today's NFL might not get that second contract. Like as great as he was in today's yeah. NFL, like, or you won't get that second contract for being a running back. Like if you're just an athlete, we could put you at running back. Like I think guys like Percy Harvin and Tavon Austin wish they did play because now you'd be like, oh, yeah. I'm not great at receiver on press coverage. Put me at running back and watch what I do. So right. I do think yeah. it's going to turn into an athlete position. Yeah, and I think this is the they're going to be the biggest combination of the devalue of the position and just the the 
potential of the draft picks. I think it's going to be it's going to be pretty low. And you know what? Hey, both these guys might be great in the NFL, but that, that's just the facts of it. So we talk about who needs the combine the least. What position needs it the most? Don't you go first. <sighs> I'm going to say defensive backs. Um, I just think because they need to be able to show. Um, and they have to be fast. Defensive backs have to run yeah. a good 40. I yeah. think there's more pressure on yep. them than any other position in football. Yeah, that's that's one of them. Another thing that, that like, Jeff, we've been talking all show is that drill at the end that they do. That is so important. Like, to be able to see it in front of 32 NFL GMs is huge. And also getting to talk to guys. Because, you know, DBs nowadays are very, very, very important in today's NFL. It's the – because it's a passing league. You know, you got got Josh Allen, Mahomes, all all these young guns at quarterback who can throw the ball all over the yard – you need guys. I would not want to be an AFC, AFC West defensive back right now. No, <laughs> my goodness. The no. worst quarterback you're guarding is Derek Carr. Good lord. <laughs> and I, I mean, Derek, Derek Carr, like that dude's severely underrated. But you know, yeah. that's for another day. But um, yeah, I I think it's DBs, Jeff. But here's the thing. Again, it's like you can make an argument for a lot of positions. I just think DBs because of the importance of the position in today's NFL. That makes sense. Mo, who's who, who needs the combine the most, in your opinion? Like, if I'm Mo Murphy, I'm getting ready to do a draft capital show. I'm evaluating these players. Who am I like? I'm, this is the this is the position class that I got to watch to try and sort through this. Believe it or not, I'm going to say quarterbacks. And I, I don't. Okay, wow. That does surprise me. During the whole combine process, it's not just on the field. And so, you know, you saw it with like, and. I'm not going to get into it. I'm just going to say the statement and then keep it moving. But like with Malik Willis, right? Like, oh, that guy, we got him in the room and that guy breaks down offenses. He's smarter than we thought, right? So that's why it matters because they had this. And then with Kenny Pickett, like him being a, his stock has dropped a little bit. People are already hesitating and then they're even more hesitant because like he doesn't have that strong arm we were looking for. He has the small hands, which... You have to care about a little bit, but like when the way he was slinging the ball at Pittsburgh, I don't, I don't know how much the small hands will affect him. But seeing him actually throw at the combine was like, uh oh, he's not as you know, he's not as uh, I don't crisp with the with the passes as I thought. But I think because with quarterbacks during combine week, it's more so in the room. I think it's what matters for them, and so it's what we don't see on the field is behind closed doors. And I think, I think that's what matters. Yeah. So, I think it's huge. Yeah. I, I, I've always said the interview room is the most important part of the combine, but as far as Kenny Pickett goes, I'm just going to like, we won't break him down. Cause we got a lot of time before the NFL draft. I, I do not have like, here's, here's how I am on quarterbacks. And I'm kind of like with Mo, if I don't think you can be a good starting quarterback, I don't care anymore. Like, I don't care if you can, if you're the, 32nd best I I I have I have I I just don't care. And Kenny Pickett just I do not see him as a, a playoff quarterback in 3 years so therefore I really just don't I don't care anything beyond that just because that's how quarterbacks because you don't have two quarterback systems. You don't have you don't have guys off the bench. You don't have third down quarterbacks like it's a starter or it's a not. 
And if you you go to the playoffs or you don't, and something pick it. What I saw in the field of pit, and then everything with the combine. I'm like, I, I've seen a lot of Kenny Pickett's in my life. This is shout out to Stu. Uh, you know, another member of the network. Uh, Morning Brew with Stu. He couldn't make it tonight, but his 1984 theory is is. This is the year that's going to be proved. Teams talk themselves into like, we have to take a quarterback because this is what you do. But this year, there just aren't enough starting quarterbacks like to pick in this. I could, I could honestly see if I did my own personal draft board, I don't know if there's a first round quarterback in this class. And I, and I mean that. I just haven't saw one yet that I'm like, oh, this guy can take me to the Super Bowl. I just, I don't know. Maybe Willis. Willis is the guy I was highest on all year as far as NFL potential. Um, but I will not I will not say that I've watched enough tape, watched the combine, I haven't talked to him. I have no idea what he's doing, but he was the guy all year that I'm like, that's to me, that would be the guy that translates to the NFL the best. But I, I honestly have no idea. I, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I'll, I do. I'll just say for the Malik Willis though, is even people are still saying like they want to see him go to like Atlanta or Minnesota to sit a year, which means like if if I want you to sit a year, how much I don't like my first round picks project that they need. That's what I'm getting at. I didn't like Trey Lance. Like, oh, because we drafted him to sit a year behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I just moved up to the number three pick. Like, if I got the number three pick and I take a quarterback, you are my day one starter. You know, we listen to I agree. It's going to be a quarterback competition. We knew Trevor Lawrence was a starting quarterback the minute he got drafted. To Wait, the- you try to say Urban Meyer might be a liar. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> Wait, that's a, what a hot take. <laughs> what a hot take, bro. My God. The, it's especially first round, but if it's later, okay. And I, I got like a Matt Ryan and I'm picking at 28, 29. Yeah. I got a good team. I need his successor because I have everything else. That's a different story. But if I'm talking about top 10, top 15, like you got to be my day one starter. Like I almost didn't even like the idea of we're drafting Mac Jones to sit a year behind Cam Newton. Like, I could get an impact player day one that can help me for the next five years and worry about a quarterback in another draft if what my plan now is to pan out. I don't like my first-round quarterback already yeah. being said that he should sit a year. I, I agree. Into a project quarterback. If and, I take and what, quarterback, you got to be ready to start. What ruined it was Aaron Rodgers like because it worked out so well that everybody's like – every example – Every first round quarterback that sits, everybody brings up Aaron Rodgers because football goes, that's what football does. They just go by the pass. It doesn't matter how long ago anything happened. They're like, ah, just like Aaron Rodgers. Everybody goes, oh, okay, it'll work. Well, that was love. Like, then for me, like my counter would be like, okay, let's look at the same team. There's a million, there's a million counters. There's a million counters. They just paid a 38 year old quarterback. $50 $50 million a year because they didn't trust the guy they drafted two years ago to be ready and get rid of, get Aaron Rodgers. Look at the haul they had. Like, look yeah. at what, what, I, I'm, look at what I'm with you. like what Denver got green Bay could have got that. And if Jordan love was a guy that's sitting for a year or two and it was going to pan out for me, we could add a whole bunch of first round picks. We wouldn't have to rebuild. We got a guy who's in his third year and ready to go. That's why I don't trust that system because then now look, especially if I have a quarterback who I feel like is better today, what what opportunity are you going to have to show me that you're better than this guy after this year? Like, people are still talking about Jimmy G. They might not move off of Jimmy G because Trey Lance <laughs> might not be ready. Like, so why did I move up to number three, yeah, get right. rid of a first-round pick to take him? Like, hey, I like hey, that. Imagine, imagine Micah Parsons on San Francisco. Like, that's what could be happening. Or or you could add, like, Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. Like, <laughs> yeah. think about, like, you could add Penny Sewell. Uh, yeah. 
to, to be all at right yeah. tackle with the best left tackle in the league. Like, so you look at it like that, and it's like, I don't want a quarterback. Man, and, and this is what I was talking about, these contract problems. So now, like, let's say they go through another year with this of Lance. Well, now they're wasting the so, quote-unquote cheap years. So then if Lance has a good season, his third year, now all of a sudden they're going to owe a guy by then $60 million a year, and they wasted the first two years. That's what I don't like about yeah. – So you now know. you're in a rush to evaluate to see if he's your quarterback exactly. in the future or not. Like, So that's why I don't like a guy – I didn't like when you took Baker and you're willing to start Tyrod Taylor. Like, if you, if you take like I don't like I didn't take him number Is one. Everybody kind of coming around on now, like, like how like the Baker's level play. Like, are we yeah. finally at the point to where yeah. we're like, okay, yeah. he's his level play. Well, is, yeah, but even even like with Mahomes, people will be like, well, Mahomes said, yeah, well, they took a they took a chance on Mahomes, but that Chiefs team was a playoff team. Right. That was able to jump up a few spots, wow. grab Mahomes. They did their homework on that, and they took a gamble, and it paid out. And they, they had a plan to definitely move on the next year. Like yeah, they, I don't mind you sitting, and, and they made the playoffs that year as well, where he played in that week seventeen. And they still yeah. they were like a playoff Whoa. team, anyway, like playoff caliber team. And they knew like Alex Smith is gone after this year. Like we're yeah, taking Mahomes. No, he's gone, and he was a free agent at that time too. We know we're not paying him for the long haul, but when you got a guy. So I just I don't you like, know you want to know what's funny Ben Ben Roethlisberger was drafted to back up Tommy Maddox that's a true story and Tommy yeah. Maddox got Tommy Maddox got hurt and Ben Roethlisberger didn't lose for twelve weeks yeah like, like but that's what I'm saying but look how that like yes that can turn out that way right but like I just if I'm taking a guy a quarterback in the first round you're starting one I don't really care well, who I got, period. One other thing too, like like you guys have been talking about, like I think part of it too is some teams try and move off of guys too early. Like I think that was the case with San Fran and Jimmy G. I think that's what the Packers try to do with Aaron Rodgers. And sometimes it ends up biting you. Because I mean San Fran made the NFC championship game uh last year. You know, they're starting to realize, okay, maybe Jimmy G can get us to where we need to be. Already took us to a Super Bowl, guys to an NFC Championship game. Packers take Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers wins back-to-back -back MVPs. Jordan Love plays a couple games, looks absolutely atrocious, uh, <laughs> does not look good at all on film. Um, and, you know, that, but to that's me, kind of how it went. To me, Jordan Love never looked that good on film. No, I was never no, a Jordan well, Love guy. You can go well, back to my first season, everybody, when he was in college, yeah. and you could listen to my shows, and I was always like, I don't see it. Well, because and, and, of Mahomes, Jordan Love exists, period. Like, you hope because, of, because, because of Mahomes, Jordan Love goes in the first round because, yeah, he made some amazing throws at, yeah. at Utah State. And, like, it looked good and all. Like, he had he looked – pretty decent on film, but then you talk about who he played against, and he wasn't consistently good. He just had flashes. What? And you're like, he could turn into the next Mahomes. Yeah. And Mahomes, what worried... Jordan Love yeah. drafted in the first round. Yeah, what worried me was his some of his biggest games, a lot of it, a lot of it he did with his legs, which is fine to win games in college. I'm not against that, but right. that doesn't translate. It just doesn't no. translate to the NFL. When they're like Barrett was an undrafted free agent at quarterback because he broke all the numbers you would want a quarterback to break in college. But most of the damage he did was with his legs. And you knew when you yeah. watched them, like you can answer that question for a guy at Ohio state, at Alabama, at LSU. But then like you have hope for a guy at Utah state that tells you everything that JT Barrett told you that yeah, AJ yeah. Karen. Told I agree. You. I think that's a great comparison. He told you that at power yeah. five schools, but then you're like, Oh, well I'll buy stock because he's a small school guy. Like I like Malik Willis 
but I don't like taking him in the first round if he's not your day one starter. Like Whoa. even with Seattle, like if Seattle does decide to take Malik Willis, Ooh, that's a great he's, landing spot. He should, he should not compete with Drew Locke day one. He should. If I'm rebuilding and I draft Malik Willis at number nine, he is my starting oh, quarterback. Starting day I'm one. Going, I'm yeah. going through the growing pains. I'm not making no quarterback competition between him and Drew Locke. We saw Drew Locke. I I want you to be a day one starter. If I have plans on sitting you on the bench, you're a second round guy in my eyes. Period. Well, that's and that's that's why I think too. Like I don't think Seattle's going to take quarterback because they traded for Drew Locke. Now they might. I don't know, but like I, I think if, if, if they don't. Well, they may take one late, but in this yeah. draft class, like I don't, I'm not. I know that there's going to be a quarterback taken late that's good, but we yeah. don't know who that is. I mean, I <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll say this. Um, a guy that like if he third fourth round, if you get Desmond Ritter in the third or fourth round. Now, I don't think he's a, a perfect quarterback yet by any means, but if you draft him like third, fourth round, bring him in, get him to know your system a little bit, I think he, he has potential. And again, like – I think Ritter can be really good in the – Right system. In a really good situation. Because of Dak Prescott. Ritter is yeah, – there's a he's not Dak Prescott. Yeah. yeah. Kellen Mond existed because of Dak Prescott. I think Ritter has more Kellen Mond potential than I do think he has Dak Prescott potential. Like that's why I look at like certain quarterbacks it, when we're evaluating them, they exist because this guy did this at this situation. So right. Dak was a fourth round quarterback, ends up being a $40 million quarterback. Whether you agree with he should well, got paid, here, not, he turned into a $40 million quarterback. Right. Also seen like, oh, his prototype Ian Book or Kellen Mond, like they believe in Ian Book or Kellen Mond because they believe in Dak Prescott. I think that's Desmond Ritter. I think he's more Ian Book or Kellen Mond than he is Dak Prescott. Oh, wow. But because oh. Dak Prescott exists, Desmond Ritter is going to get that kind of love because he's Dak Prescott esque. Yeah, I could see it. They got he's got all the all the leadership, all the charisma. He's his physical skills are good enough. Yeah, um, great season. Uh, I can see that. Well, here's the truth about the quarterback situation or the quarterback position. So basically, it breaks down like this: you got 32 teams. Uh, a quarterback plays a long time. So essentially, you only only there's only one. If you look at the numbers, there's basically only one starting quarterback in the draft every other year if you do the numbers. Like it seems like there's five a year, but but there's not because they play forever. And so you really only get a true starting NFL quarterback every other year, one. Like if that's how that's how drafting is. If I'm a team that needs a quarterback and I'm an absolutely bad team and Seattle Seahawks, uh skip this year, surround myself, that's what I protection, say. set myself up. But you know, draft my protection, kind of like Detroit did. Like they got Peeney Sewell, they didn't go for a quarterback. They could have got Justin Fields, whatever. Yeah, but, but here's the problem with Detroit: they're they're Justin Go- or <laughs> Goff makes. Um, I always call him Justin because I grew up with him. Jared Goff makes like thirty million dollars against the cap this year, so that's mm-hmm. a nut. That's also a mistake. But they drafted Peeney Sewell to make sure that they draft. No, no, that was the right pick. But back to the no. future, do that. Sh- shed Goff. Tank tank for Bryce Young. Or tank for CJ Stroud. Like if I'm Seattle, I got a tight end, I got a wide receiver, I might trade Lockett, whatever. I got a whole bunch of picks, and I got Drew Lockett quarterback. I can yeah. almost guarantee I'm in the NFC West, and my team will suck. And I have <laughs> extra draft compensation that if oh, I'm Seattle, Seattle's going suck. to be so bad. Yeah, like, and oh, if I'm yeah, a little bad. bit better than suck, if I'm not the worst team, right. if I'm the fourth worst team. I got enough draft picks. I can move up to number two because you might get a team 
like the Jets or what if the Jags are bad again? They still got Trevor Lawrence. They might not need a quarterback. And then, boom, I give you my, one of my first and the second round yeah. pick next year. And I move. So if I'm a team like that and I'm Seattle and I know I'm going to be bad, whether I get Malik Willis or not, why not go get what we're talking about probably go all year next year is the surefire guys and CJ Stroud or Bryce Young and start, start with all my draft. Which, capital, which makes me out. sad, which makes me sad that we're already talking about CJ Stroud going to draft. That makes me really sad because I, I, I get so tired of doing this every two years. But yeah, I mean, Jeff, moving on from the quarterback, it sucks. Jeff, it's, it's, you know, that's, well, no, that's hey, not, I don't blame him for drafting national an elite program, but geez, national yeah. championship winner. Stroud, sounds good to me. Hey, but, but Jeff, all that matters, man, is if Shaw deliver, delivers on that's the, all that matters. I, I'm good. I'll let him go. Draft. I, I'm good with that. Night, national championship winner. Uh, CJ Stroud. Let him ride off into the sunset. So, okay. One last question. So what's, uh, just give me one player that jumped up in the draft for you based on, based on strictly on the combine. If there is one dunks, you go first. Uh, I got two uh, Malik Willis and sauce Gardner. Those are, okay. those are the two guys. I think, I think those guys are going to, going to go higher than expected. I think Malik Willis, um, just what he was able to kind of show throwing the ball wise. And also I heard that he did impress in a couple of interviews that he had as well. Um, I know Pittsburgh's a team in that 20th range. Uh, I kind of wow. expect them. Anything but that. I, I I kind of expect them to trade up and uh, and try and get this guy if uh, if he goes a little bit. But another team is like, you know, Carolina. They're not really super happy with their quarterback situation right now. They could take him. Um, and then you don't Gardner. think Cam's coming back? No, I I think Cam's I think Cam's done. I mean, Cam's I, been I done for Cam. five. Cam's been done since Von Miller took that I ball love, in the Super Bowl. I love Cam. Absolutely love Cam. Like, oh, I don't blame you, but he's been done for a while. Yeah, he has. Um, and then Sauce Gardner. I, I I've been saying it, Sauce man. I I just think this is the best corner in the draft. I don't oh. think he he's going to be the best player in the draft, but I'm a huge fan of this, this guy's and and I just love the. The hard energy intensity that he plays with and brings. And- you do got You do have a fighting mentality at that position, yeah. though. Like that, that is something to factor in. Like a cornerback has to want to play football. <laughs> like he has and, to have a little dog in him. And also, what I like about Sauce is like he can play outside or inside. That's that's huge. Oh, you got to. Yeah, you got to now. And, that's and, sure. and you definitely, you definitely saw that. Like in the way he's able to move footwork. Um, and all that stuff. So those are the two guys for me that really moved up, in, in my opinion. I'll, I'll take either one of them for the Dolphins. I'm just, I'll just put my hand up right now. I'll take either one. No, what player jumped up the most for you after the weekend? Uh, Dunks took the cop out. He went and got the stars and said they moved up. You copped out, Dunks. I'm taking uh George Pickens. <laughs> Uh, my two players is is at the wide receiver position. I'm taking George Pickens and oh, nice. Sky Moore. I think Sky Moore moved up. I think he'll be a late first, early second round pick. Uh, and he could drop to the third round, but I think he'll have some impact on day one. He could be a team's third best receiver. We're in a passing league. We see the impact that a slot receiver can have on a team. So when I look at him, I think he's done enough. Could be, I, I don't know about late first. I think early to mid second round could fall to the third and really be a gem for a team. And then George Pickens, because this is a guy his freshman year. 
you know, before he got injured, he got injured his soft, heading into his sophomore year and then didn't really wasn't able to necessarily bounce back. And I know they won the national championship, but he didn't have a great quarterback to get him the ball. But what we saw from him his freshman year was a guy oh, that he was amazing. could be the best wide receiver in this draft. And at that time, his freshman year, we were looking at like guys like him, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave's, like all the guys that are out now. And we're like, man, George Pickens might hands down. The way he played his freshman year, he might hands down be the best wide receiver. Ran a 4-4-3 in the 40, which was absolutely amazing from him coming back from an ACL injury. Showed us a little bit of flashes throughout the end of the season last year and in the national championship. Had a couple key catches. But then for him, how he looked in the combine and for what we had projected from him early pre-injury was kind of like we looked at him like we looked at Derek Stingley at corner and we haven't yet seen that from Derek Stingley since his freshman year kind of the same thing with Pickens but he's wild and I think a team is going to be lucky to have him and he's going to go to maybe late first I, I think he's early second as well but oh, I think wow. it's a team like Jacksonville and you pair him alongside maybe DJ Chark and, and put LaVisca Chenault at the at the slot and so he benefits from he's arguably he's your second best wide receiver day one uh, so I, I think those two guys, especially in a pass heavy league, I think those two guys, if Sky Moore goes and he's your slot receiver somewhere, bring him to Dallas. I'd love him. But uh, if he goes to as a slot receiver, and I think George Pickett shows like he has the size, the speed, everything we wanted and saw from him his freshman year, he was able to bounce back and kind of get that charisma. I just don't think he did enough to pass up the surefire guys that we got to see be elite all year in, you know, uh, the, the wide receiver from – Arkansas, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. We know wide receiver class. This is a good wide receiver. Yeah, like Traylon Burks. Like we, you know, I don't think he did enough to pass them, but I think he did enough to put himself in that conversation where he's probably ahead of David Bell, ahead of Calvin, ahead of Calvin Austin, probably even ahead of Sky Moore. I think he put himself in that fifth or sixth best wide receiver, which could put him early second round. And I think it's what what a deep class. It's amazing. Of course, there you know basically you got three on the field you know all the time now. So you got a hundred starting wide receivers in the league basically now. So it does make sense. All right, so Mo, I'll let you go first this time. Uh, Then Dunks can yell at you. So what player do you have that any player you have that that dropped in your opinion? (sighs) Drop, drop, drop. When you had sent this, I was like, oh man, there's there's a couple players that dropped, but. Now I'm gonna go basic. I got on dunk, so now I'm gonna go basic. Kenny Pickett. Uh, he was he was quarterback one in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, I don't really care about the small hands. That's not. It was watching him throw the ball. Like it was just that plain and simple. Uh, I know even if he could dissect the defense, they said his meetings weren't the greatest either. So that's never a great thing to hear about from a quarterback prospect, especially when everybody was ooing and on over Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis to be a quarterback who was QB one. Uh, You know, I think he dropped. I don't know if he'll be the first quarterback taken. And it's one of those like not enough teams need a quarterback that they would probably take a chance on Kenny Pickett. He could still fall. Maybe the Steelers stand pat and go ahead and get him. They find something that they love. They seem like they're committed to Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins. So have fun with that one. Uh, (laughs) But if they do get Kenny Pickett and I think he could be a guy where I don't like him going in the first round if he's not going to start. But I think a team, he could drop like to the early second round and somebody takes him as like maybe Minnesota takes him as, as a backup to Kirk Cousins in case they move on to him and the Kellerman situation failed. Maybe a team like Miami takes him because they like him enough and they're not sold on Tua and it's coming around the time where his contract's going to be up. So I'm not sure exactly where he'll go, but I think he dropped for me where it, he, he's not. I'll be honest, he's not a top 25 pick, in my opinion. He's And then I look at the late first round, like who really needs a quarterback in the late first round that would take Kenny Pickett? So, I mean, he 
he's going to go in the first round just because he is a quarterback. But to me, like the safe way to take Kenny Pickett is to make him sit a year. And I, I do that in the second round. So he's dropped a lot because like you said, I paid attention to how he threw that 10 yard out opposite hash, like everything on opposite. I didn't like it. It was, there wasn't enough zip. The arm strength wasn't there. It seemed like he had to try too hard to sling the ball down the field. It didn't look natural like it did with Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter on those deep routes. It wasn't the most accurate. You know, Malik Willis, they were dropping balls in God's chest 60 yards down the field, and it looked like it took everything in him to get it. And he could be playing. He goes to Pittsburgh. He goes to Seattle. He's mm-hmm. playing in cold weather majority of the year. Playing so crappy weather. Strength in crappy weather is not what I want. That's why, like, Josh Allen is so great in Buffalo. Even, like, Kansas City has – Crappy weather sometimes. That's why Mahomes is a perfect guy to have at Kansas City. So if he's not in like New Orleans or something and he's playing in a dome, I don't really necessarily like him as good as he played at Pitt. I just don't really like him for the NFL in a, in a crappy weather team like Pittsburgh where it gets really cold really early in those games in what? Late September, early October turn out to be you're playing in yeah. 50 degree weather and it only gets colder, you know, with a slight wind chill at night, you know how it is being in the Midwest, Jeff. So no, believe me, I know. Kenny Pickett has dropped a lot for me uh, to the point. I say he's a second. I give him a second round grade, to be honest. Dang, I like it. Dunks, who, who dropped the most this weekend for you personally? No, come on. Yell at Mo first. Mo, you you ripping on me for taking the league <laughs> and then you go Kenny Pickett. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. I know, I know, I know, Mo. But Pickett isn't the star. Like you, your risers were the stars of the combine and the stars of the draft at this okay. point. Okay, KP is not a star. People but, are like, ah, we like him because we don't like anybody else. Yeah, but but Kenny Pick has been been talked about as, as a top ten to fifteen pick. So you know he's he's up there, Mo. Obviously, you know what I mean. But he was know, only a top ten to fifteen right, pick. He's a quarterback. That's, that's it. That's if he right, played bro. running back and people were or not even running back, if he played wide receiver. Forget running back because we know people don't value. If he played wide receiver and people were hesitant on whether he could be an NFL wide receiver, he would be a fourth round pick at best. Yeah. Like if we're if we're coming into the combine already asking, can he be even a starter in the NFL at wide receiver? That's a fourth round grade and prove us different. But because he's a quarterback and it's the most valuable position, it's talked about in the first round. But if he was that good in the first place, we wouldn't be talking about how bad the quarterback class was or how much we don't love it. But because he played quarterback, I respect that he's a first rounder because yeah. somebody's going to well, do it. That's why he's projected as a first rounder because somebody's going to do it. But he's not one of the 25 best players in the draft. I will say, Mo, I, I do agree with you on, on Kenny Pickett on the take there. I think for me, it's really Tyler Linderbaum. And I think one of the reasons is because oh. of all the how all the other offensive linemen showed up and showed out. You know, especially yeah. those top three guys, Cross, Akonwu, and uh, Evan Neal really kind of separated themselves from Linderbaum. I kind of had Linderbaum like in the, in that four spot, kind of set in there, uh, but before before uh, before the combine. And now, like you know, maybe he's fourth, maybe he's fifth, something like that. I think he's definitely a late first round guy. I think he's going to be a good player, but I think you know the combine hurt him a little bit because of how other guys did. You know, he didn't impress me as much as some of the other guys did because really. I thought if Linderbaum showed out and showed up, showed up and showed out, that he could be a guy that that goes early in this draft. Um, in, in my pre-combine top ten, I had Linderbaum at ten, and now I probably have him at about fifteen to twenty, maybe even twenty-five. So he's falling down my list quite a bit. Um, another guy I'll throw out there too, 
um, is, is Stingley. I think him not showing up at the combine, I think is going to hurt him a little bit more than Kevon Thibodeau because we've seen T- Thibodeau is proven. We've seen him do it this year, play. He's a freak athlete. I know Stingley's great. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be a great player, but I think him not participating in the combine might hurt him a little more than some people kind of think in that regard. Yeah, especially without all the playing time. Yeah. Yep. It's uh it's interesting. There's so there's so much that goes into this stuff. You know, there's it, it is so hard to quantify like whatever 30 or 40 seconds of drills that these guys run compared to like what they've dedicated their whole life to. The like I would lo- I would tell you what, I wish we could watch or be a part of the interviews more than I do anything else. Because as somebody, you know, I'm just, I'm an older guy. I've interviewed a lot of people. I've talked to a lot of people. Like I would get more like, you know, listening to a guy talk and answer questions and, and having a conversation with them than probably I could from anything I see out there. But yeah, that's what the combine's all about. It's fun. You know, they have a good time. You know, you get to, you get to see some freak athletes. You know, it's, it's just another evaluation system outside, outside of all the tape you watch. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, like we would all be billionaires if we actually knew how the draft was going to go. We knew who was really going to be the best. And, you know, sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong, just like everybody else. It, it depends on the situation, everything else. But, um, I want to thank both you guys for all your time. This was a great show. Uh, you know, we, we cover, we covered a lot of ground here and I feel better about it. I feel like I watched the combine. I kind of now, but you, you give me some players to go back and look at. You give me some, you know, some thoughts on it. And I'm, I'm Mo, you know, hates Kenny Pickett. Uh, I love that. You know what I mean? We're going to run with that in the draft. I think he's going to be right. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of team Mo about this. Um, you know, dunks, n- not super high on Ritter, uh, <laughs> you know, coming out of it. Uh, Either way, you know, his stock is rising. But uh, but overall, I appreciate both your guys' thoughts on this. Um, you know, everything you put into it. I know how much you care about this, and I know you'll have a lot of information going up to the NFL Combine. So, Dunks, tell everybody where they can find you and where they can listen to you. Yep, uh, go check us out on YouTube, uh, Dunkle Productions. Uh, we, you know, we, po- we post a lot of podcast stuff. Uh, right now, March Madness, NFL Draft stuff coming coming to you weekly, daily, all the above. Uh, live's going to start coming back. Uh, you know, you can follow me on, tw- on Twitter at Coach underscore uh, B Dunks if you guys, uh, you know, feel like it. I, I always drop sports takes, stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, make sure to go check us out. Also, make sure to go check out Off the Ball Network, uh, you know, which is what this show is on, the YouTube channel is on right now. Uh, we're doing we're doing big things over there. Old, uh, old Jeff and Mo VPs, goaded. <laughs> For sure. Mo Murphy, I know you got a lot of stuff going on now right now. This is this is one of the busiest months, busiest times of the year for Mo. Um, tell them where they can find you, what you got going on, bro. Yeah, so this is why I took a break for two weeks after football season because now it's March Madness, it's NFL Draft, it's ramping up for about to be NBA playoffs. Oh, my so God. So much going. It's like I, I really can't wait for the summertime. I promise you I can't. I could probably take a break, but then who knows? Then we're going to ramp up into football season to breaking down divisions and all that. So it's like doing basketball and football, I don't really get a break because come what? I get a break July and then come August we're, we're talking college football. And NFL, but it's always great coming on with you, Jeff, obviously uh, dunks. I love getting on with you as well. Uh, we'll get you on to talk hoops here in a little bit. We'll get you on draft capital uh, NFL as well. You know, uh, it only makes sense with you covering the draft, but you can find, you can go check out the show draft capital NFL uh, hosted by me and Stu. 
every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. I haven't been on the past couple of weeks. Uh, we are doing the show this week. Oh, at 8 p.m. Eastern, my bad, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, you can check out Up at Flames. You hear it every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern on uh, Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. Just had my guy Max Van Auken, a.k.a. Spider-Man, uh, on, on the show. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, and check out Off the Ball Network. I mean, everything we do, I, I can't even keep up with, with everything we it's do. It's crazy right now. Uh, the the content's <coughs> ramping up. So, yeah, I appreciate you for having me on, though, Jeff. Ah, no, no, both you guys are the best, man. Again, I'm Jeff. Jeff needs sports uh, at jhunt 6 on Twitter. Um, you know, let me know what you think. Let me, you know, I'm 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 always open for suggestions for new shows. I got we got a big setting the screen coming up this week about the new Batman movie. A lot of stuff going on behind the scenes right now. A lot of action at Off the Ball Network. Uh, the, these two are just you know uh, they're they're a part of it. Um, there's you know there's just so much content going on right now. So thanks everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, thanks for any likes, you know, shares, comments. You guys know the deal. We love it. We appreciate it. It's what we do it for. Um, everybody have a good week. Be kind to each other, and uh, we're out.